0: Father in heaven, we come before you and we ask that you, Holy Spirit, would speak to us this morning. That in spite of your messenger, would you deliver to us your message. All of us together this morning are longing to hear from you and from your perfect word, Lord. And so we pray and we ask that you might move among us, that you would add the blessing of your spirit to the reading, to the teaching, to the proclamation of your holy word. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to encourage you to take it and turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. It is a New Testament book. It will be towards the back part of your Bible. You make it through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and Acts, and Romans. Then you're going to get to the letters that Paul has written to the rest of those churches that he visited. You have his letter to the church in Rome. Then you have the first letter to the church in Corinth. So We are going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll be reading today verses 4 through verse 18. As you find your place in sacred scripture, if you are physically able, I would ask if you would please stand out of reverence for the public reading of God's holy word. We'll look together beginning... In verse 4, I will read for us. When I have completed verse 18, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. I encourage you to respond by saying thanks be to God. The word of the Lord says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. We come to the letter of 1 Corinthians, and it's honestly one of the earliest recordings in the New Testament that we have. Paul writes 1 Corinthians very early on after Jesus has died. He makes his trip through Corinth. He founds that church. He works with those people. You read about these voyages, these journeys in the book of Acts. We even talked about last week in Acts 20, his trip by the book, by the town of Ephesus, by the city of Ephesus. Each of these letters, as you may already know, is a letter written specifically to a church in a city where a church has been planted. And so this letter is not one of his most flattering letters, if we can say it that way. He writes to the church in Corinth, and, buddy, they have a lot of problems. If ever you thought, you know what, if we could just get back to the way things were in the Bible days, if we could get back to how things were in the book of Acts, then our church would really be on fire. If we could ever just be like those apostles, and then we'd really do some ministry. Let me tell you something. From the earliest chapters in Acts and the earliest letters to the churches that were established, there were problems and issues in God's churches and among God's people. Do You remember the phrase, the little saying I taught you from my counseling professor when I was in seminary. Remember, she made us begin and end every class by saying, I have issues. You have issues. All God's children have issues. I just, I know you may not remember it. So to help you, why don't we do it again together this morning? Okay, i oh, I can tell y'all are so excited to participate. Try to contain your excitement now. All right, on three, we're going to say all those things together. Ready? One, two, three. I have issues. You have issues. All God's children have issues. See, It makes you feel better on the inside, doesn't it? Every church that's ever been has had issues. Every church that has ever been has been filled with sinners. And guess what? That's one of you. And that's one of me. There is no perfect church. Every church has problems. There's nowhere you can go that's going to magically make all the problems disappear. If you are a Christian, God requires, God commands that we be in community together. You've heard me say it time and time again. There is no such thing as a Christian disconnected from the body of christ it's about as normal as finding a random appendage like a finger on the side of the road off by itself it cannot survive it cannot thrive there is no way to thrive in christian living outside of biblical christian community but the problem is when you get involved in a church you're going to find churches are messy every church is messy I can say that about all of the 52, Otis 53, 52 churches in the Southern Baptist, Covington Baptist Association. All 52 churches, you won't find a perfect one among them. And here's the best thing. If you were to leave Bethany and go to one of those, guess what? You'd mess them up with your sin because now even if they were perfect, you're a sinner and you went there and took your imperfections to their church. That's the way it goes, folks. Paul writes this letter because they got a lot of issues in Corinth. He addresses all of them in this 1 Corinthians letter. If you ever want to know about some issues in church, just spend a little time in 1 Corinthians. So much so that he takes a moment in 2 Corinthians to apologize for how harsh he was in 1 Corinthians. Pretty tough, right? Listen, I'm not going to be that harsh, okay? But I do want us to know there are some issues that were going on then and they still pertain to us today. So let's look. I'm actually going to back up a little bit and we're just going to walk through these verses together. We're going to start in verse 1. We want I want you to know this letter is written by Paul. He addresses it Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. Sosthenes is probably writing this for him. Paul had terrible eyesight, probably could not sit down and write it himself. There are many letters where he will finish the letter saying, "I Paul write this With my own hand. And when he does that, in the original manuscript, it probably was a huge section of letters where he was going, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. Because he was blind as a bat. So Sosthenes is writing what Paul dictates. That's why he puts his name there. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As messed up as the church in Corinth is, Paul is still incredibly thankful for them. Now listen, the city of Corinth was where you could go to participate in any kind of sin that you wanted to participate in. This is a port city. If there was any kind of sinful activity you wanted to participate in, you could find it easily in Corinth. So these people are not folks that grew up in Christian households. They don't have the testimony that Hada and Deacon have, okay? Their parents were not discipling them as they grew up. These are the people who were rough and tumble folks who got saved late in life, and they are trying to change their ways. So I want you to realize, if you're here this morning, and you're not a person who was raised in church, and maybe sometimes your language isn't super clean, and maybe you still struggle with sin, You're in company with everybody that was in the church at Corinth. They were all still fighting to free themselves from sin and repent and follow Jesus. The people then, thousands of years ago, trusted in Jesus. Saints called out of sin, but still living amongst sin and fighting and struggling with it every day. Christianity always has been and always will be about misfit people. About sinners in need of grace about sick people in need of a hospital. You're not better than they were. They're not better than you are. There's a place for you in God's church. There was a place for the people in Corinth. There's a place for you here. He says, I give thanks. Even in the midst of all of that, he gives thanks to God always because of them, because of the church, because of the grace of God that was given to them in Christ Jesus. That in every way you were enriched in him, in Jesus In all speech and knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. That that might sound a bit strange, but I want you to understand they really didn't know what to do with this new movement of Christianity as the Holy Spirit fell. And so the way that it was confirmed was speaking in tongues. Now, this is not the same kind of speaking in tongues that is typically done in many Pentecostal churches of our brothers and sisters in Christ that are a part of a different denomination. This is much like what happened on the day of Pentecost. Remember, the Holy Spirit fell on them. They're speaking, and people are hearing other languages that they speak, and it makes audible sense. Well, then as the gospel starts to spread, you'll think about Philip, the deacon, who went up, and he was sharing the gospel in Samaria. Peter and John follow after Philip when they hear the report, and the Holy Spirit falls upon them, and they have a day, just like Pentecost, in the middle of Samaria. So what Paul is saying is they had a day in Corinth just like the day of Pentecost where all the people are gathered and they all speak different languages and there's one language being spoken and everybody's hearing their own language. Tongues are expressed and that is the sign to them that the Holy Spirit has moved on this place and these believers are real and legitimate. So That's all he's talking about. When he says in all speech and in all knowledge as the testimony was confirmed, that's the confirming. That's why he moves on and says in verse 7, that's you're not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love he, he, he puts this phrase in here, and it almost would be a throwaway phrase, right? But don't miss our Lord Jesus Christ, comma, okay, who will sustain you to the end. I just love that Paul always reminds us that Jesus will hold us fast. Maybe you're in the middle of Corinth yourself. Maybe you're involved in some sort of sin that you can't seem to break free from. Maybe you've been striving to follow Jesus and the shackles and chains and temptations of this world have been pulling you back. I just want to remind you, there's so much of it that's not even up to you. Jesus himself will hold you fast to the end. He says that when you're committed to him, that you're in the palm of his hand. And nothing and no one, nothing in heaven, on earth, or under the earth could ever snatch you out of his hand. So if you really believe in Jesus, even as you struggle and fight against your sin, remember he holds us and will sustain us to the end. Stay in the fight. Don't give up. Don't stop struggling against your sin. But know all the while the victory is won. There's no need to be anxious. There's no need to be nervous. There's no need to worry. The victory is already won. Jesus Christ, who will sustain you until the end. And then he says, God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is always faithful. So then we move down to verse 10. Paul says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. He must not have known about the Baptist denomination when he wrote that. Has anybody ever heard about a Baptist church that agreed on anything? Y'all remember the story from Jerry Clower, right? They were trying to buy a new chandelier for the foyer of the church. And the old man who'd been a deacon for his whole life came in, and he was about 90 years old. And they're talking about ordering a chandelier from the Sears Rock catalog. And the man says, let me tell y'all something. There ain't a no one of y'all here in this deacon meeting that knows how to play a chandelier much less spell it and what we really ought to be talking about right now is how we need more lights in the church there's jerry clower for you funny as it is it's often true right well guess what whatever denomination the corinthians were they didn't agree neither paul is urging them to be in agreement with one another to find harmony and fellowship and it is so easy to decide to be mad at somebody It is so easy not to work at a relationship. It is so easy to disagree and let connections sever. It's hard to double down and agree to find common ground, to make the relationship and the connection work. He says, all of you should be united in the same mind and the same judgment For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people. I love that Chloe's people reported to Paul. You know that way back in Bible times, Paul had people and his people had people and his people were Chloe and Chloe had people and Chloe's people knew people. And those people knew what was going on with all the other people in the church. Let me tell you all something. I may be leaving this church, but I got people. All right. And my people know your people. And if I got to come back down here, write a letter like this, it ain't going to be pretty. So don't let my people hear from your people about the people that's the people and doing the people things. All right. I love. That even in Bible times, couldn't text message, couldn't tweet, couldn't couldn't X, whatever that is now, couldn't Snapchat, couldn't Facebook, couldn't email, couldn't do anything. But somehow word got to Paul that everything is broke loose at the church in Corinth. Word makes it to Paul that there is no agreement, that there is no unity. And here's what they're fussing about. These incredible men, these saints of God who taught them the gospel, who came through on missionary journeys, who pastored them. For a season. Factions were created within the church in Corinth. And people said, I follow Paul. Oh yeah? Well, I follow Apollos. You know, Paul's kind of short. And he doesn't see so well, and he's not very attractive. I follow Apollos because Apollos is very eloquent in his words. He's very educated. He is the debate team captain, and he won every debate for his high school. I follow Apollos. He is a powerful speaker. Oh, yeah? Well, I follow Cephas. That's Peter because Cephas just means rock in Aramaic. So it's the same thing in Greek, Petros, stone, rock, Peter. So I follow Simon Peter. And you know what? Even he has raised Dorcas from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why I follow Peter. The Holy Spirit is powerful in Peter. He's not like Paul or like Apollos. I follow Cephas. And then you've got the super Christians. Don't you love these people? Those super Christians that they say, well, I follow Jesus. I don't know about you people and what, what you're doing, but I follow Jesus. That's who I follow, you know. They're arrogant. They're puffed up. They're not saying, I I follow Jesus. They're saying, I have no tie to any of these preachers and missionaries. I just follow Jesus. But they're arrogant. They don't mean it. They're probably not actually following Jesus. They're trying to sound holier than the people who are saying, I follow Apollos or Paul or Cephas. Folks, I just want to tell you a little bit about the history of Bethany. Now, I know right now I've been preaching for a little bit. Okay? Okay. And maybe, just maybe, you're thinking, he's leaving, he's already been preaching for a while, I'll just go ahead and tune out. Don't do it! Stay with me. This is important. Throughout Bethany's history, there have been a lot of pastors that have come, there have been a lot of pastors that have gone. And if you look around this congregation, you're going to look around and you're going to see people who came to this church when Josh Wilson was the pastor. You're going to look around and you're going to see people who came to this church when Barry Holcomb was the pastor. You're going to look around and go back, even a few pastors, you're going to see people who came when Billy Joy was the preacher of this church. You're going to look around and you're going to see people who came to this church when Ronald Davis was the pastor of this church. And every new pastor that comes along, well that's not how Brother Josh did it, well that's not how Brother Barry did it, well that's not how Brother Ronald did it, well that's not how Brother Nathan did it. Let me use the best grammar I got. It ain't about the preacher. I'm not being self-deprecating when I say this. Hear this in the best way possible. The worst thing about Bethany Baptist Church is their current preacher. That's the bottom. It only gets better from there. If you came for the preacher, let me tell you, stay for everything else. Because the people are fantastic. The worship leader is amazing. Did I tell you how incredible the people will love you? It'll be messy. It won't be pretty. But they'll be there. When your marriage is on the rocks and you think you've got to get divorced. When your spouse tells you they've been unfaithful. Your church will be there. No matter who the preacher is. Because that's who Bethany is. That's who this church is. When you've gone to the hospital and you've had bypass surgery... It's the people of the church that are going to bring you meals. pastor can't bring you a meal every night. just isn't physically possible. I didn't even make it around to every one of your procedures. I didn't visit all of you in the hospital every time something happened. But you know who was there every time? Your Sunday school class, your small group, your people. The preacher, no matter who it's been, has always been the worst thing about Bethany. It's not about Paul or Apollos or Cephas. It's only about Jesus and one another. You remember the whole sermon series? One another is one of the most common phrases in all the New Testament. It's about you and look to your left and look to your right and them. Don't you jump from one church to another church just because there's a different preacher that you like or somebody speaks a little bit different. Move because the Holy Spirit moves you or stay. I told you when I read my resignation letter, there is absolutely nothing that could have moved our family from this church aside from the Holy Spirit. There ain't anybody that's run me out of town. Let me tell you, I'm as stubborn as a mule. If you want to run me out of town, God bless you. Good luck. It ain't working. I only move when the Holy Spirit says go. And I can guarantee you that's what's happened here. I'm not running because there's another pastor in town and people are going over there and their church is growing and our church is dying. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Do you know what the devil wants you to think? The devil wants you to think that it's Bethany versus First Baptist and Kevin Wilburn. They want you to think that it's Bethany versus Southside and Josh Wilson. They want you to think that it's Bethany versus Harmony and their pastor. They want you to think that it's Bethany versus Buck Creek and their pastor. It ain't about this church versus that church. We have one common enemy, Satan, the accuser. People are dying and going to hell. It ain't about what church you're going to. It's about the people who make up the church you're in. It kills me to leave this church. But do not give up on one another. Do not say, well, I was here under Pastor Nathan. I follow Apollos. Well, I was here under Brother Josh. I I follow Cephas. Well, I, I was here way back when Barry Holcomb was here. I I I follow oh, uh, Paul. I don't care. Who's your Sunday school class? Who's your small group? Who's your deacon? Who's your church family? That's what will persevere. That's what will remain. It's not about me. It's about all of us. And that's what Paul's trying to tell them in Corinth. And he even gets to verse 17 and 18. He says he doesn't speak the gospel or anything with eloquent words of wisdom. The word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It's foolishness. They think it's stupid. Well, your preacher left. Aren't you going to go? Wouldn't dream of it. Well, why not? Wasn't he the whole reason you were there? You know, he really wasn't. Let me tell you why. It's really about Jesus. And it's really about Terry who came to see me when I was in dire straits. It's really about Colton who was there for me and he even brought me some honey. As frugal as he is, he was willing to share some honey with me. Even when I was sick and hurting and needed a little bit of sweetness. It's about these people who showed me how Jesus washed the disciples' feet because they've washed my feet. They've been here for me when nobody else would be here. That is the greatest testimony You could give to this community. Be here. Be plugged in. Stay together. Stay inseparable. And in doing so, show them the gospel. Because it ain't about a silly preacher. It's about you who are Bethany. And you're incredible. Don't lose heart. Don't lose hope. God will sustain you. And even if times get rough, remember, He's coming back. He's faithful. Paul said it right there. God is faithful. He will sustain you and keep you until the end. And if you trust in Jesus, this is the gauntlet. This is as hard as it gets. If you know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior and have a relationship with Him that has changed your life, this is as close to hell as you ever get. Have you ever thought of it that way? This is as bad as it gets. It's only going up from here, folks. So by all means, trust in the one who died for you. By all means, lean on each other. Love each other as a church. And continue to proclaim the good news that there is salvation by one name and one name alone. There is one way. There is one truth. There is one life. And his name is Jesus. Will you trust on him today? Will you lean on Him today? Will you love one another and serve one another as a church ought to? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You so much that You love us. God, I I can't even remotely begin to figure out why. (laughs) There's nothing that I have ever done to deserve Your love, to merit Your grace and Your goodness. None of us could ever measure up But as a perfect parent, you have shown us mercy and grace beyond what we can even begin to fathom. Lord, I struggle to forgive over the most minute things, and you've forgiven me for outright rebellion against you. And you offer that same forgiveness to anyone and everyone who would trust in you, who would give their life over to you and say, I want to follow Jesus. This morning, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here anyone listening to the sound of my voice that's never trusted in you, I ask God that you would move on their hearts that they might believe on your name. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Lord, let them now confess and believe on you. And Lord, for those of us who already know you and already are seeking to follow you, May we heed the words that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and also to us today here at Bethany. May we find unity and harmony and agreement here among our brothers and sisters. May we love one another well. And may we rise above the temptation to follow one specific preacher or pastor. And let us be committed to one another. God, we love you so very much. We ask that you would move during this time of response and help us to respond in obedience. We ask all this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.